0: Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Oh, good morning on this beautiful sunny day in Colorado. A little warm. You know, we're going to have a stretch of 90s for as far out as I can see on my weather app, so. It's going to be warm, but that's going to affect the fishing in probably a very positive way. Uh, fishing is really turning on, and we are going to talk a lot about that. In fact, we will. Uh, we're going to have several reports during today's show on different aspects of what's going on fishing in the state. And speaking of fishing reports, I put a couple things up on Facebook this week when both myself and Karen and myself were out doing some fishing and exploring. And when I do that, I will always try to tell you, the techniques we're using, the kind of place we're fishing, If it's a major, if it's a big body of water, we'll tell you exactly where we were fishing. Sometimes if it's a small pond, we just refer to small ponds because there's so many of them that are the same. It doesn't make sense for you to drive to one when there's some that are probably right in your backyard. But we don't just put up pictures of fish. We give you information at the same time, at least the baits we're using and the types of presentations. We're also going to talk some getting ready for hunting today because uh, it's just, even though it's still early summer. It's going to be honest, quick, and you need to start thinking about your gear and your scouting already. So we're going to talk about that. And Ben Garcia, our dog training expert, is going to join us in the second hour. And one of the tips he's going to have for us is if the fireworks noise bothers your dog, some tips you can do to help with that. So we've got a lot to get to. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us, uh, he hasn't been on for a while, he's been busy fishing. Uh, Brad Peterson from Brad Peterson Outdoors. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Well, speaking of just being out fishing, you also were doing a a tournament up at one of our favorite lakes, Glendo, and you uh, actually placed quite high and did well. And that's a great place to start because that's a pretty good walleye lake. One of the better ones, I would say, in this part of the country, don't you think? Yeah,
1: Glendo is, it's a phenomenal fishery. You know, it has lots of numbers of fish, but it also has one of the strongest populations of quality fish you know fish from that 24 up to 30 inch range that people are going to catch you know have a reasonable chance to catch multiple fish that size in a given day and that's that's pretty rare this time of year you know through most of our lakes you'll find spots that you're going to catch one occasionally but up there, you know, it's not uncommon to get into, you know, three or four of those quality fish this time of year. That's really what it took for the tournament to have good results.
0: Well, I can tell you one of the best days fishing I've ever had on Glendo was we filmed a television show up there. By the way, you can see there's a I think there's two television shows uh, uh, Glendo fishing um on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. But we were trolling crankbaits. It was it was Memorial weekend, we were trolling crankbaits just off of the edge because the water had come down, wasn't as high as normal. And it was virtually ridiculous. I mean, it, the amount of fish and size was just tremendous. But tell us about your experience and what's going on up there now.
1: Well, you know, Terry, that bite is happening right now. If you want to go up and catch numbers of fish, the – the deep weed edge has fish, or, or the deep weeds have fish right above them. So if you're wanting to pull, you know, crankbaits over top, and it's it's a little bit of a refined pattern in that those weeds do have a lot of moss on them, so you have to make sure that you're staying above them. So it takes a little bit just to get dialed into the right depth, but once you do, there's big, expansive flats that you can troll over top of and catch lots of fish in that, you know, 16- to 18-inch range, with the chance of a fish maybe up to 22 or so, but the bigger fish seem to be, you know, up shallow in the weeds or the flooded brush. And I'm going to say shallow being five foot or less. Now, that's, it's kind of different than a lot of people throughout the country think about walleye fishing. You know, this is almost more of a, a bass fishing type for walleye in that you're going to have to be using a little bit heavier line, a little bit bigger presentation Um, bigger lures because you're targeting those larger fish you're not going to get nearly the number of bites if you're as if you're out trolling but the quality of fish is good you know on, on sunday we stayed in one area that's you know maybe the size of about four pickup trucks put together and we fished that all day long to put up over 25 pounds of fish but it was because the fish in those shallows are kind of moving along so we were able to just kind of stay there and you'd have little lulls, but then, you know, next thing you know, you'd pop a 23 or a 24-inch fish and, and a 20-inch fish. And so it was just having confidence in a specific area to go chase those fish. Now, as the lake, it's, it was dropping. It's kind of stabilized. It's going to stay that way for a couple weeks until the demand for irrigation starts going, and then the lake's going to start dropping again. And as that lake starts dropping, those fish are going to pull out of the shallows. So you're going to look for structure either or cover, whether that's you know rock piles or long points going towards the main lake or that flooded vegetation and that's where those fish are going to be moving to. So there's potential for some great fishing going on up there, you know, for the rest of the summer and into the fall. That's one of the nice things about Glendo is It has a bite that starts, you know, in May and runs through October that is fairly consistent.
0: Well, and I I find, too, that as we get close to around the 4th of July, the shad, there's a lot of shad in that lake, and they're going to hatch. And then you're even going to start some of your most productive fishing. A lot of people used to quit fishing Glendo. As we got into the later half of summer and the water was warm, because they wanted to go jig those points or pull a bottom bouncer on those those points you were talking about or those rock piles. And now we were catching them on the 4th of July, uh, suspended over 50, 60 feet of water, but maybe only five feet deep.
1: Yeah, that uh, as it warms up, you have two presentations that really start to shine and that's trolling crankbaits a little bit faster you're going to cover more water have a better chance at at locating those active fish and then the other one is you know the the jig and spoon uh jig and rat bite as as the water starts warming you know some of those shads start to die the shatter are, are fairly temperature sensitive and so they do it both when it's cold also when it's warm so you can find some fish on deep structure, but you need to use those reaction-type presentations to get the bites because just dragging a slow piece of worm around, you know, they have so many shad in the lake to choose from, you're not going to tempt them as much. But, man, if something comes zipping past them quick, sometimes they just react to that without even thinking. And that that usually is the best starting about mid-July through um through September, you know, those are the kind of patterns that are going to hold out and, and catch a lot of fish.
0: Now, let's get back. Before we get to a few other lakes around here, let's go back to the the next couple weeks. Those big fish are probably going to be shallow. What kind of presentations were you throwing at them?
1: You know, we were throwing jigs and either twisters or paddle tails. And just a slow, steady retrieve seemed to work the best. Um, the key is being able to have the right weight jig to where you can move it through the cover without getting hung up. And in certain spots, you know, that was dropping down to an eight. A lot of times it was uh, three sixteenths. Um, I was using one of the new BMC hybrid swim, swim bait heads, which has the head, the eye of the hook moved to about a 60 degree angle. And the nice thing I like about that is when you're going through the weeds, it kind of climbs up and over and doesn't catch like a 90-degree angle jig head. And that seemed to work really good for us. And then some sort of a a swim bait or a twister, whether it's, you know, like a a bio bait uh, product or, uh, you know, a lot of other companies make it. But it seemed like having some sort of added little scent or maybe a little action that was different than what everyone else was throwing was helping you pick up a few bites like that.
0: All right. Let's quick and, and move that, to. That type
1: pattern. that type pattern will carry out throughout, you know, all of our lakes in Colorado, uh, Sterling, Jackson, Jumbo, Boyd, all those lakes have this shallow water, you know, casting pattern happening right now. And that's going to continue on until the water gets too warm. So we've got about two weeks of that that will continue on to Colorado as
0: well. So what are you hearing about? You mentioned some of the lakes you mentioned. I know you were out on Boyd this week. What's going on there?
1: Boy, Boyd is on fire right now. Uh, We caught fish trolling crankbaits, uh, pulling live bait, you know, like bottom mounters and spinners or uh, stuff like that. And then we also caught them uh, pitching jigs. And we caught walleye, uh, largemouth and smallmouth, all jigging, You know, keeping your boat in that five to eight foot depth. And most of the fish were caught pitching towards shore, but some of the smallmouth we actually caught pitching out from there. There's the weed development's really starting. The bite's really going good. Water temp was, you know, that mid to upper 60 range. And so that bite's going to continue, I would say, for all about two weeks until either the weeds develop too much. Or we get uh, those water temperatures too hot and starts pushing those fish down. Sterling's kind of got the same thing going. The weeds are finally developing up there. And fish are moving up in that area, up in the shallows. And Jackson, with the warm temperatures, uh, the wipers are really starting to get active. And the best way I find to find those wipers is to troll, to locate the active schools. And always have a rod ready to cast or a surface, you know, a boil that might happen, because that can happen any time of the year. And I'm sure, you know, anyone who's been a part of getting on some boiling, either white bass or wipers, you don't want to miss that. That's some of the best
0: action of the year. Oh, you're absolutely right. What type of uh, lures are you pulling, and what depths at Jackson to locate those wipers? You know, I'm
1: using stuff that uh, is typically about size six, a size 7 crankbait range, so it's kind of the traditional size range. And then it's a mixture of stuff that has rattles or not, but one of the things I've really found is those fish on a typical morning will go through about three to four different style crankbaits. And by that I mean, you know, it may be more of a minnow-style bait that catches fish. Maybe you need to be running that on land or behind a bottom bouncer for an hour. And then all of a sudden, that bite will turn off. And then you may need to try to switch to something more like a shad wrap. And they'll want that quiet shad shape. And then they may want a jointed uh, crankbait that has rattles in it for a little bit. So once you catch two fish on a a lure, I typically change at least, I'm running normally four rods. And I'll change two, if not three rods to that similar shape and color lure and leaving one to experiment. But as soon as I've gone, you know, 15 minutes without a bite, I start switching through stuff to figure out what's the, the hot lure to get them to trigger because it can change up. But I will tell you, so far, gold and kind of a metallic green color have been the most consistent. Usually at some point in the day, both of those colors will catch fish for a while. So those are the two that I almost always have tied on to start
0: when you're running the shad shaped baits and we're going to be out of time here in just a few seconds but when you're running the shad shaped baits are you running those on planer boards on any kind of weighted line or are you just free free spooling behind the boat
1: you know i'll I'll do all of the above and and all of them can get it done if i've been running minnow baits i'll i'll run them on the lead core that i have as you're searching you know planer boards are a great tool to spread out your presentation So that's a great opportunity. But uh, if all you've got is a straight mono or a straight braid, those baits are big enough that they'll get down to the bottom, and you can cover the whole water column because those fish will be spread out from the bottom to just a foot or two underneath. So um, it's really an opportunity for anglers with any type of equipment to get out there and catch fish right now.
0: All right, Brad, thanks for all the info. We are out of time. If people want to book a trip with you, how do they find you?
1: Well, they can reach me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call at 303-829-3998. And I wanted to let everyone know that I did just get uh, a permit to guide on Glendo. So if they're wanting to head up to Wyoming and chase some of those good walleyes, now would be the perfect time to call and start scheduling stuff.
0: All right, my friend, we'll get you back on soon. You and I got to get on the water soon, too. Thanks, Brad. You're welcome. Brad Peterson. You can find him at Brad Peterson Outdoors. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to change up and talk about getting ready for hunting. No, it is not too early to start thinking about it. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. 65 years old and growing up and still getting outdoors. And boy, I tell you what, they have everything you need to get outdoors, including the people to help you choose the right gear. Let's go to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Brian Postumus. Good morning, Brian. Good morning,
2: Terry. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great, and I know we're talking a lot of fishing today, but you and I are going to change it up and talk some hunting, and people are are going to kind of go, well, it's, it's, you know, the middle of June, It's 90 degrees out. Why are we talking hunting, especially big game hunting now? But, boy, if you don't start getting ready early, and I always, I'm an advocate of this, whether it's making sure your gear works, and we're going to talk about firearms later in the second hour and what people usually goes wrong with them the week they try them before they go hunting. But start understanding the areas you want to hunt and getting used to them your your chances of success go down down exponentially don't they
2: they do they do putting some time in during the summertime scouting preparing learning your your the unit that you're going to hunt in right that all goes into increasing the odds of success when you go hunting this fall
0: and and you know not only increases your odds of success but also decreases your chance of uh, getting lost or having a problem or, you know, it just makes for a more pleasant trip. And I know there's something fairly new that's been done on your uh, some videos from the wildlife managers. Is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, and I appreciate the opportunity to share this. This is a great resource for, for hunters, um, especially new hunters or any hunters that are, thinking about maybe trying to hunt in a different game management unit or, or GMU is, is what we use, what we, what we call it for short. Um, so yeah, our district wildlife managers or DWMs, these are the wildlife officers. They're, they're a little bit more than a game warden, um, but the district wildlife managers, um, they were videotaped talking about their, their districts, right? they some of those districts include many game management units, but these are some of the experts In their areas they know the patterns of wildlife in the area they know the access Um, they've got a lot of good information and a lot of hunters will call them up and you know talk to them hey you know they they can't ask you know hey where where do i shoot a deer or an elk at of course but they they can talk to them about you know access or you know what are some areas that maybe we want to look at in early seasons or late seasons so, the, the previous statewide hunter outreach coordinator, Jason Deitch, he did the, the lion's share of this, this work. It took him um, over a year to work on it. It's been a couple of years before we got them posted. But he videotaped every DWM talking about their district. And now these are available on our um, CPW YouTube channel. And you you can go in, you can look at your GMU, you can pull up the video, and there's a DWM sharing most of the information that he shares with anyone that calls that that person up. So this is a great resource to learn new GMUs, or if you've been hunting in a GMU and you want to learn a little bit more information about um, where to hunt, maybe some of the access, or thinking about, you know, are you hunting late season versus early season? So you know, sometimes at high country, you get those early snows that come in. You, you kind of got to be prepared to know, you know, what's wind range and what's summer range and, and maybe some of the corridors of movement in between. So this is a great resource for for new hunters or even experienced hunters to, to learn more about some of those districts that they want to hunt. In.
0: Well, you brought up the fact about new hunters. We have a lot of people, as everybody knows, that have either gotten back into the outdoors during the pandemic or have or have taken it up for the first time. And they're they're out there trying activities that maybe they're not experienced or trained in. And to have success and stay safe, stay safe, that's easy for me to say, I guess. Um, you, really, <laughs> you, you really need to make sure you understand your bounds, and then you have resources. And Colorado Parks and Wildlife has so many resources. First of all, you said these videos are available on your YouTube channel. Now, can I get to that through the main... Um, CPW page, or do I have to go to a different place?
2: Yeah, um, if you go to our CPW website, um, you can look at CPW videos. There's a there's a drop-down link um, off of Learn you know, to view the videos. And once you click on pretty much any CPW YouTube video, there's going to be um, a, a little link that you can click called Playlists. And this playlist will be called, um, I think it starts out as Game Warden's, um, but there's, uh, I, there's a, lot of, um, a lot of videos in there. I, I bet you there's got to be 70, 80 videos um, of the officers in there. So it, it'll take a little bit to sort through, find your GMU, um, listen to it. Um, but it's a great start um, in that. There, we've got another, um, another couple of playlists, too. I'd love to promote as well while we're talking about it. Um, CPW has partnered with Nate Zielinski of Tightline Outdoors, um, Nate's a, a, a big game hunting guide, a fishing guide. I know he's on your show quite a bit. Um, just a, a wealth of knowledge. He, he's got an energy to him as well. And and CPW's partnered with him um, this summer to do a big game hunting series. And so we have, I think it's five videos currently on a playlist on YouTube. And and again, if you get in the playlist section, you're going to find it real quick. And he's he's sharing tips for hunters um he's, he's talking about some of the early season scouting now he's going to be getting into more um, scouting tips and he's going to be doing these videos and offering this, these opportunities to learn and to prepare all through the season all the way into the hunting season so if you're if you've got a first season tag or archery tag or later season tag he's going to be sharing some tips and tactics for those seasons so that's a that's a really good resource coming up Um, And then I I just want to throw out another um, series that we have in there. This is some learn to hunt webinars. Again, these are, these are on a playlist. There's several webinars that we've done over the last year. It covers big game hunting, small game. I believe we even have a waterfowl webinar that's on there as well. So these are all, all series that you can start um, checking out this summer, Um, staying in tune, kind of preparing yourself for, um, for getting out this fall. And, you know, it it, it is a good time. I I recommend to people that, you know, if if you're going to go hunting this fall, it's a good time to get out now. Maybe you go camping, you know, overnight in some of those units that, that you're hunting in. Getting familiar with the landscape, um, knowing where some of the access, maybe to a spotting knob or, you know, how do you get in and how do you get out in the dark so that, you know, you're not going in, you know, early in the morning for the very first time or you're not coming out in the dark for the very first time um, in an area that, that you're not familiar with. And and I think, like you're saying, Terry, um, you know, safety out in the field is important. And and work this summer, I think, gets us to that point where we can hunt better, but we can also make sure that we can get home after the hunt.
0: Now, we're running out of time, but there's a couple things I want to touch on really quickly. One is, we've just touched on the number of resources CPW has. There's topo maps with harvest information, folks, you can do so much scouting, gather so much information there. Spend some time uh, on that site now and get used to what you're looking at and find out things. The other thing is a really quickly, you have a program called Take a Friend Hunting. Tell me quickly about that. Yeah, you bet.
2: So um, Take a Friend Hunting um, Contest, this is a, a program where we're trying to encourage experienced hunters to invite a brand new hunter out into the field with them and if they do so they can take a photo they can um, spend at least three opportunities um three events with this new hunter um get them out in the field and then they, they can submit um you know for this this contest we've got fantastic prizes we've got um, gift cards to many of the the hunting fishing stores i've got um shooting sticks i've you know backpacks um I, i've got a whole bunch of different Prizes, I, I've bought some of them already. I'll be buying a few more coming up. This contest is going to open up in August, um, but you can start preparing right now. If you know of someone who's maybe new to hunting, you got a friend, family that has maybe expressed interest. Maybe they haven't. You just need to ask them. Um, encourage them to get out. Take them to the range for a day. Um, help them, help them to, to sight in their rifle or, or go to a trap range and shoot shotgun. Um, there's so many things you can do right now. Take them to the store. Take them hunting. Um, you know share a meal of wild game with them there's all sorts of ways that you can share with them and get them out hunting and so this will start in august but we can start working on that right now getting hunters prepared so that they're ready to go come hunting season
0: all right brian we are out of time but thank you so much great information folks you can find this stuff on the cpw website look into it it just makes your hunt you'll get a more successful hunt and you have a more pleasurable experience thanks brian
2: thank you terry have a great day
0: you bet Brian uh, Patsmus from Parks and Wildlife. We're going to switch back to uh, some water based activity here. We're going to take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to take you to one of my favorite spots in the state Navajo Reservoir. Ontario Wickham Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 1043 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. They can handle all your outdoor needs, whether it's camping, kayaking, fishing, even grilling. If you're doing anything outdoors, stop by a Jack's store near you. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from one of uh, my favorite lakes to fish in the western United States, and that's Navajo Reservoir, uh, is Rob Carter. Good morning, Rob. How are you doing, Terry? I'm doing great. and You have just a tremendous... Tremendous lake and fishery there. In fact, before we even start about what goes on there, why don't you tell people where it's located and describe Navajo Reservoir. Well,
3: Navajo, we are between Pagosa Springs and Durango. a little bit south, so we're about equal distance from, from both towns. Navajo is a, a large lake, actually. It's, it's about 30, 31 miles long. It's got a lot of little nooks and crannies and coves that people can get into. And even though it can seem crowded at the boat ramp, sometimes once you get out on the lake, there's plenty of water and plenty of spaces, and, you know, you can just get away. And it's it's a lake that serves many purposes, both not only great fishing, but uh, we get wakeboarding, we get sailboats, we've got houseboats. Uh, So it's a very great recreational area.
0: In fact, it's kind of referred to as a as a, a smaller version of Lake Powell, isn't it?
3: Yes, sir, it is.
0: And it's it's a canyon type. The
3: park as well too. Have 147 campsites
0: yeah, and you know, the three
3: one. cabins as well too.
0: Oh yeah, and there's lots of opportunities. The first thing people are going to ask uh, is, what are the water levels like right now? We know the snowpack wasn't tremendous in that part of the state. How are you doing?
3: We are at 6041 right now, where 6085 is full pool. The lake has come up about eight feet in the last month, and it still seems to be rising. You know, historically, I'd say it rises till about the middle of June, then it tapers off, and and then slowly starts to go down. Our boat ramp is open, A&S station's open, marina store is open, visitor center. So right now, there's really not any issues as far as launching. We've got all five lanes to the boat ramp open. Uh, that may change as water level goes down later in the in the fall, but right now we are sitting at a very good level.
0: Now you mentioned you have a lot of camping there. Uh is that all on the reservation system? Yes it is.
3: To make reservations and they can make people can make reservations twenty four seven. They go to CPW for Colorado Parks and Wildlife Shop dot com or they can call a toll free number which is one eight hundred two four four. Five,
0: six, one, three. And um, are you pretty booked up? Do you have to make them pretty far in advance, or can you get sometimes short, uh, short lead time reservations?
3: You know, especially weekends and holidays, we are pretty booked up, Terry. Uh, but there's you know, occasionally sites that are available on a, on a short-term or short notice.
0: And, of course, with all the boating activities and the fishing, which we're going to talk about in a minute, people also need to know that a good portion of the lake is in New Mexico, even though you can launch in Colorado. So if you're going to fish, you need a license for both places, right?
3: That is correct. And and really most of the 90% of the lake is in New Mexico. So I would encourage people to definitely get their licenses in advance. And for New Mexico licenses, they can be purchased online at, at the New Mexico Game and Fish website. Of course, Colorado licenses can be purchased here at our visitor center as well.
0: All right. Now, let's talk about fishing. I know that people come to Navajo to do everything. They do boating. They do wakeboarding. They do party boating. They do paddle boarding and you said it's a large large lake you can spread out in fact i did a video down there a television it's on my uh youtube channel the best of fishing with terry wickstrom and i I don't know that we hardly saw another boat once we left the boat landing we were out in the lake and we were fishing and we caught some tremendous fish what's going on with the fishing right now
3: right now people seem to be doing very well with uh, the smallmouth bass largemouth bass and the northern pike uh, the crappie season is, you know, seems to have tapered off a little bit as we're getting the warmer water. But, uh, you know, when I talk smallmouth bass, you know, they can be all the way up to the four or five pound range and pike can be up to the four foot range.
0: Well, I've caught both. Uh, first, I caught numbers of pike. when On my pike fishing there, I didn't catch any huge ones, but I caught just good, fat, healthy, and a lot of them. I caught some smallmouth that were pushing four or five pounds down there. In fact, the previous Colorado State record came from Navajo. It's been since been broken, and every now and then you get a pretty big trout too, don't you?
3: We do. Uh, I had a, a fellow this uh, this spring come in, and I talked to him at the boat ramp and said, "How was your fishing?" He said, "Well, I only caught one," and he pulled up his phone and showed me a picture of it. It was a, a female brown trout that he weighed. It was twelve pounds.
0: Wow, that's beautiful. And it's just a it's just a beautiful place to go and fish and you can use different styles. And if you don't have a boat but you want to go down there and camp and you want to experience the lake, you have some pontoon rentals, is that right?
3: We do. We have five pontoon boats that we rent. We have four twenty foot pontoons that are set up for for fishing with a live well. And then we have a thirty foot uh boat that is is very nice. It's a double decker boat, has a slide and a and a bathroom on it. That's more for a recreation uh group rather than than fishing, but you can fish off of it as well too.
0: All right. Well Rob, if people want more information, how do they get a hold of you down there at the marina or the park?
3: They can either go to the uh, CPW website and click on Navajo State Park, or they can definitely give us a phone call at 970-883-2628, which is 883-BOAT. So it's very easy to remember.
0: And I'll tell you what, folks, this is a place worth going to. Uh, I just enjoy fishing this so much. You will have the time of your life. You'll catch some fish. And not only do we talk, there's catfish in there, there's down in the southern end of the lake, there's some kokanee, um, there's other, other species. I caught a huge carp in there, and, and there's just, it's just a great place to fish. But the pike and the bass fishing is just phenomenal there. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. I hope a lot of people get down and enjoy that because it's such a great body of water.
3: It is. Well, Terry, I appreciate it. You have a great weekend.
0: We will. Thanks. That's Rob Carter from Navajo. And I tell you what, we talked about Glendale Reservoir in Wyoming. We talked about Navajo, and we talked about Boyd and some of the Colorado lakes already today. Every one of the lakes we talked about and every one of the techniques we talked about, there is, on that exact body of water, there is something on my YouTube channel, the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, on those exact lakes, doing those exact techniques. So if you want some great information, go to our YouTube channel. It's, It's set up. You know, we did two shows. We did our travel show, which was Angling Adventures, and we did Mountain States Fishing. And have, even a number of the travel shows were filmed right here in your backyard. So there's a, there's 100, maybe 50, 150 episodes up there. About half of them have Colorado contacts in them. So take a look at that. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, our good friend Austin Parr is going to join us here on Terry Wicksham Outdoors, presented by... Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones because this gentleman always has tremendous information to share with us. We're talking to uh, Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle. Good morning, Austin.
4: Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me.
0: I'll tell you what, uh, if you can't catch fish in the next few weeks, you probably should take up something else. (laughs)
4: That's no more of a true statement than I've heard right there.
0: It's really, uh, I mean, this is, you know, we're not, we're going to see probably less big fish. Doesn't mean big fish aren't going to be caught, but we're getting to that time of the year when the fishing just turns on for a few weeks. And if you have a little bit of reasonable uh, advice and guidance, you should be able to go and have some successful fishing days. Just real quick, where are a few of the hot bites you are hearing about? Yeah,
4: I mean it's almost too many to to name at the moment when we're talking about warm water species, at least. And when you're a warm waters angler in Colorado, as we mentioned before, June is is the month. So starting off in the metro area, Cherry Creek is about as good as you know you could see all year long right now. Uh, they're up on structure, really anywhere from about seven down to 15 feet of water. And what I, I say that frequently, but what I mean by that is they're up on top of some type of underwater element. So they're going to be on a, on a submerged point maybe a ridgeline or a drop-off, but finding the fish that are tight to the bottom and up on top of that structure is what you're looking for. And there's a variety of techniques that you can go for with those right now. Uh, Lindy rigging or bottom bouncing with live bait presentations at a slow speed is about your most basic, but there's plenty of uh, fish that are in big enough pods where you can stop and pitch a jig to them with a jig and a leech. We've caught them on swim baits lately, but then especially your one of my favorites, the the blade baits are very, very good out there. But then Shifting over to Chadfield, it's been a little bit different. The bite's still been really good, but if uh, people aren't familiar with it, the lake's up significantly right now and up into the trees. And when that happens, you got to chase the fish shallow. So instead of running and, and doing the standard Lindy Rig and bottom bouncer-type techniques out on uh, open water structure like the roadbed, You're going to want to get up shallow and get fishing in those trees, actually, on the outside edges of those trees, and doing so with, like, a weedless jig and a crawler or a leech. Swim baits are a very good choice, and then we've also been hearing good reports of uh, people catching fish on rip and wraps on the outside edges of the trees.
0: What about some of the fly fishing? Have you heard what's going on? Are the rivers getting blown out, or is it really varying across the state, just like the snowpack is? Big time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a
4: tale of two states at the moment where we're having good snowpack and still decent runoff on a lot of the front range stuff. When we're talking about places like uh, Clear Creek and, and Bear Creek, Bear Creek's been high, but still clear. The Poodle, um, I've been hearing, has been definitely higher. Uh, but you still have good opportunities on that higher water, uh, to fish along the edges, definitely getting toward dry fly dropper season. So you are starting to see some hoppers on the smaller sizes but I love a humpy or a caddis on my lead fly. And then dropping down a beadhead nymph, uh, definitely caddis are a good option right now. But things like a copper john or a pheasant tail or one of my favorites, a split case PMD. All are fantastic options for that. But then you get to the western slope and you're starting to see a lot uh, lower conditions out there. And, and we're still early enough in the season where the heat's not affecting uh, as far as the, the water temperatures a ton yet. So it's really a good time to get out on some earlier season lower water dry fly fishing on that western side of the state, uh, more so than you would ever be really seeing this time of year.
0: I'll tell you what, you mentioned the hopper droppers. I was out fishing some ponds this uh, week, just walking, and we are starting to see hoppers like crazy. And I'll tell you what, from about now until well into the fall almost, A lot of times, I'll just start with a hopper, and you mentioned a Copper John or something like that. Maybe vary the depth of my dropper a little bit, but I can go to almost any of the wade walk areas, and if there's hoppers in the field around, you'll catch fish. Even the little streams that lead up into Rocky Mountain National Park, like the Roaring River and uh, Upper Big Thompson and things, it's just amazing you get in some of those meadows, and you can just make a, a reasonable cast. You don't even have to lay it down gently. Because the fish are used to that hopper splashing and the results can be just so much fun.
4: Yeah. And even in higher pressure water, you can pick off a lot of fish in that too, because it's a way to fish your smaller pocket water. So behind your rocks and on your very small current seams that are pretty much almost impossible at times to get a standard nymph rig and indicator rig through, you can lay those dry flies in there into a place that the fish aren't as pressured uh, rather than your big holes and your big runs and catch tons of fish even in places um, that are higher pressure like the South Platte.
0: Oh, you're absolutely right. You can fish it right into the little holes and eddies and things that you can't drift through. Before I let you go, you mentioned a Lindy rig, and we mentioned bottom bouncers out at Cherry Creek. You know, we talk about those all the time. And one of the number one watched videos on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, is bottom bouncer techniques. But maybe we should take, maybe we got about three minutes left, talk to people about what's a Lindy rig and what's a bottom bouncer. So to start with, um, this technique really
4: only works when you have an expansive area that's a generally consistent depth without a lot of snacks, because you're dragging it along the bottom. So some of your eastern plains lakes, like North Sterling, aren't as good for this because of the heavy timber. But the Lindy rig is one of my favorites. So it's incorporating a sort of banana-shaped sinker with a hole in it that you're threading your line through. A lot of times putting a little bead spacer on with a swivel and then a section of the line that I like to be about five or six feet and then a hook out on the end at the most basic level. A bottom bouncer is basically an L-shaped weight that touches the bottom, so if you're having a little bit of snagginess, that can kind of bounce through a little bit more, and then you can a lot of times run them a little faster with some spinner blades out on the end. So I use these techniques a lot of times when the fish aren't piled up heavily in one spot. When they're heavy in one spot, I like to stop and jig them because it's more efficient. When I'm using my trolling motor or I'm having a, using a wind drift, maybe with a drift stock in heavier conditions to slow myself down, but I'm dragging these baits uh, with the Lindy rig, uh, putting a crawler over a leech on there, about a half to 0.7 miles an hour. A lot of times the bouncers will go a little bit faster, 0.7 to 1.0 miles per hour. and The bouncers uh, a lot of times can be used with a variety, as I mentioned, the spinner harnesses, but also if anyone's ever heard of slow death, that's a hook that has a little bit of a pitch to it to spin a crawler at a higher speed. So that works quite well there also. But when the fish are spread out, you can use that trolling motor to cover some ground and drag these baits on the bottom. Now, the big thing about it is you're going to be feeling the bottom heavily. You're going to be feeling it tick all the way along. And the challenging aspect is determining what is a bite. A lot of times I describe to my clients, the bite a lot of times feels like you hooked a wet towel. It gets heavy, but it's coming with you. And if, you get, if it gets heavy and keeps going, it's a snag. But then the other thing that I see people mess with all the time with this is that if you set the hook immediately, a lot of times you miss these fish. The key a lot of times is to drop that rod down almost to a full slack. Let that fish suck that leech in and then come with a slight sweep up into a hook set without a heavy, aggressive jerk.
0: I think the setting the hook too early on both those techniques is par, by far the number one mistake. I used to teach a class and one of the things I tell them if they were bottom bouncing fishing, I said, don't watch your own rod, watch your buddy's rod. If you've got a little money on the fish and as soon as his rod tip ticks, yell, you've got one. He'll pull it back <laughs> and pull it out of the fish's mouth. And all, and all you really need to do is if you're moving the boat is just hold on. If you've got a, a good long rod that has some give, the rod will start to bend. The fish will take in its mouth and start to turn. And the rod loading will set the hook for you. And, It's amazing. I did a test, and I'm going to real quick get through this. I I did it on Cherry Creek. I put a stiff pool cue-like rod on one side in a rod holder. I put a limber rod the same length on the other side, ran the same spinner on a bottom bouncer, ran it through Cherry Creek. I got a number of – I got the same number of hits on both rods but the hookup was almost four to one on the limp rod. Then I wasn't touching them at all because they still one just pulled it out of their mouth. It was amazing. Real quick. We got to go Austin. If they want more information or book a trip with you, how do they find you? I'm a discount fishing tackle. We're six blocks
4: South of Evans on the West side of Santa Fe.
0: All right, my friend, you and I need to get out and do some of these techniques. We'll talk to you soon.
4: Thanks so much, Terry.
0: You bet. We'll take a quick time out and we come back. Nate Zelensky will join us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan.